If you've got your Bibles, I'd like you to go ahead and turn over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to get to the Christmas story here in just a moment. Uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into God's Word. Heavenly Father, uh, what an honor it is uh, to be uh, with congregations, really, that are meeting all over the world, celebrating the birth of your Son, that pierced the darkest, the darkest times that anybody can go through is a life where Christ isn't present. So, Lord, I pray for your light. Pray that you'll be with those, as Jeff said, that are going through really difficult times at this time. And uh, I know Christmas can be an amazing time of joy, but it also can be a time of uh, discouragement. So, Lord, I just pray for anyone here this morning that just needs words of comfort. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent us your son. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Uh, we're among friends, so I'm just going to ask you a real quick question. You just yell, yell out the answer. There is no wrong answers, okay? So in your family, in your family, if uh, you could say there's one thing we do every Christmas, okay, what is that? Eat. Wow, boy, that's a southern Indiana answer right there. We eat. Okay. Yeah, that's a spiritual gift, and that's a good one. Okay. What's another one? You eat and, yeah, play games. What's another one? Open presents. Glad we got to a non-spiritual thing. Good. We open presents, which is an awesome thing. How about one more? You do it every, yes. Oh, good job. We read the Bible. I did not set her up for that, okay? We read the Bible. Uh, here's, I, I grew up, uh, I'm the youngest of seven. I've kind of shared this before. And uh, so this, and I grew up with my mom and my sister, okay? So that's why I'm kind of weird. So uh, on Christmas Eve, we always got to open one present. Anybody give, do that in your house? One, and, man, I, would, I was really a pretty selfish kid. So, anyway, I loved just, like, scoping out exactly what present wasn't going to be, like, underwear or something. I, you know, something useful. I wanted something fun. And I couldn't wait to open that present. Then in the evening, we would go to my brother Ed's house and the family in the St. Louis area. We all would get together. And then the way home, my mom loves Christmas lights. Uh, if she could see what Tony Lutz has done, if you guys have never been to Tony's house, that would have given mom a cardiac. I mean, that, we just, very simple Christmas lights, drive through neighborhoods. And then here was an interesting thing. From the time I could read, uh, we'd come home, and we had this little cardboard fireplace. And mom would go get her old Bible, and she'd say, now, you're the man of the house. You need to read the Christmas story. And as I got older, I would say, mom, are you going to make me do, there's just, three of us here. I mean, we already know the Christmas story, you know, and then she'd say, yes, that's nice. Yeah, you're going to read that. So she'd hand me the every year. That was a tradition. And it's funny, as I got older, I'm like, of all the traditions, I remember standing in front of a, a family of two and reading this Christmas story. And it's priceless. Every year, it's priceless. In Luke chapter 2, one of the things that always sticks with me, and probably some of you remember this, it was 51 years ago that uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas aired on CBS. A really high-budget flick, if you've seen that half hour of the Peanuts Christmas. Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, when Charles Schultz uh, put all this together, and he sat down with the director, they said, very simple uh, theme. We think people are going to like this. People love your comic strip. Uh, we have one point that we're going to have to correct. And he said, what's that? He goes, you cannot have Linus read that Christmas story out of the Bible at the end of it. And Schultz said, that's not even an option. And that's the whole reason. That's the question. When Charlie Brown says, does anybody know the meaning of Christmas? 
We need to read it out of the Bible. And I love what the director said. Charles, that's a very dangerous thing to do. Now, I want you to listen to Charles Schultz's response. His response was, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? It's the exact question we have today. If we don't share the Christmas story, who's going to share it? Let me tell you what every minister in the United States is struggling with during the Christmas season. It's how do you creatively tell the Christmas story one more time? And I got to be honest, I started weeks ago going, oh, my land, how am I going to come up with another Christmas message? Have you ever had those moments and God's like, are you really that, like, stupid? You don't try to come up with something creative. You can't do any better than what I've already given you. So we're just going to walk through the Christmas story, if that's okay with you, and turn over to Luke chapter 2. And here's one of the most important things as we start in the Christmas story in Luke 2, is you need to back up and ask one really important question as we get started. Who's the guy that wrote this? So we look down at your text, and it says Luke. And I don't know why, but I thought, I've never asked myself why that's important, the guy that actually wrote this. So let me just tell you a little bit about the guy who wrote this amazing story. Luke, we find out, actually doesn't even turn up in the Bible until the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, and he connects with the guy you maybe heard of him. His name's Paul. And uh, his occupation, anybody know what his occupation was? He was a doctor. So a lot of times, if you were a significant individual, a doctor would travel with you the entire time. Well, Luke uh, found out Paul was pretty significant. And so they became, as we find out later in Scripture, that they were actually co-workers, it tells us in Colossians. It was interesting. Paul loved this guy. Matter of fact, he loved him to the point that when we get to 2 Timothy 4, we find out that Luke actually was with Paul when he died. May have been the only person there when Paul died. That tells you about Luke. And then here's what Luke did that made his life, to me, tremendous. He was not a disciple. He was not even an eyewitness of Jesus. But remember, he had spent so much time with Paul. And then he came back, and imagine the mind of a physician, and he started interviewing everybody who had contact with Jesus. And I mean, he did extensive interviews. And the reason why we find out, it's interesting, in Luke chapter 1, he says, I used the eyewitness reports circulating among those of the early disciples, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning. So when you read about Jesus being born... And this account, you know that he sat down with the mother of Jesus and said, Mary, tell me everything you were experiencing. When he tells us about the census and when he tells us in Luke 4 about the genealogy, he's doing this so that we know Jesus Christ and the story of Jesus is real. I want every one of you to get that, that this is not a fairy tale. This is Jesus Christ in the flesh Think about that. Think of the significance of that. In an amazing book, Tim Keller, Hidden Christmas, that came out this year, said this, Christmas is not, I love this, Christmas is not once upon a time story that happened that shows us how we should live a better life. No, he broke into the world to save. Jesus Christ is our Savior. He is born. 
This is the historical Jesus, not a once upon a time Jesus. Man, that is so important. Yesterday, our family did something very spiritual. Uh, we ate way too much, and then we went and saw Rogue One. I don't know if you've seen that. Nice, feel-good movie. I'm not going to tell you how it ends. Uh, but it's a once-upon-a-time story. The entire Star, Star Wars saga is a once-upon-a-time story. And think how we get inspired by once-upon-a-time stories. But that doesn't compare to Jesus Christ who walked with us. I love it in 1 John 4 because it tells us that Jesus truly did walk with us and how powerful that is. And we need to understand that that is critical in how we walk and how we live our lives. There's something else that's important about this story you may not uh, get into a lot, but it is the town where Jesus was born and the area. A little town of what? Spencer? No. Bethlehem. Now, here's something that's interesting. At the time that Jesus was born, and we're told in Micah, if you're taking notes, and you can take notes now, you have a table, in Micah 5.2, we are told Jesus was going to be born. The Messiah was coming to Bethlehem, the little, little bitty town that was the city of David. It's amazing. This little town, when Jesus was born, uh, population was somewhere between 500 and 1,000, depending on what festival was going on in Jerusalem. So seven miles away, if something big was going on in Jerusalem, the town would swell a little bit. But usually it was a town of about 500. You talk about a little town. And you're talking about a life that would change the world came from a little town. That town today draws 1.5 million visitors every year. Bethlehem. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a small town. Great things happen in small towns. Matter of fact, if I could sing a song, I would probably quote, are you ready? You did not think John Mellencamp was going to come up, and he did. He's coming up today, okay? All right. And you've heard the song, I was born in a small town. I live in a small town. I'll probably die in a small town. Oh, those small communities. Educated in a small town, taught the fear of Jesus in a small town, used to daydream in the small town. No, I cannot forget where I came from, and I cannot forget the people who love me. Yeah, I can buy myself here in this small town, and people let me be just what I want to be, a small town. I read, you know you're from a small town. I love these. You know you're from a small town if you've not only participated in 4-H, you know what the 4-H's are. How many of you know what the 4-H's are? Did you raise your hand? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there, okay? You know, you know you're from a, a small town if you know people that every day their routine is to read in the local newspaper the police beat and the obituaries. That's a small town. You know you're from a small town. This is true. If you go for a walk, you're going to start a new exercise program, and within five minutes, five people pull over to see if you're okay. That is a small town. You know you're from a small town if there are no stoplights, no McDonald's, no Hinkle hamburgers, or no Starbucks. That is a small town. And here's what I love. You know you're from a small town. If your family is going through a crisis, don't be surprised if there's a hot meal on your doorstep. That's a small town. I grew up in a small town. 
I complained the entire time growing up about the small town I grew up in. Uh, but I remember this too. Uh, I put my back out in the front yard. We never locked our doors. Our neighbors, we all knew each other. Uh, we all complained because we knew each other's business, but we knew each other. And when somebody passed away, it, it affected all of us. I loved growing up in a small town. I wouldn't have I, I, I tell you what, it's one of the things I cherish the most in my life is that I grew up in the very little town that I complained about growing up all the time. Great things happen in small towns. Amazing people are born in small towns. Taylor Swift is from, are you ready for this? Wyomaza, who has a name like that? In Pennsylvania, she grew up on a Christmas tree farm. Johnny Depp is from Owensboro, Kentucky. Did not see that coming, Okay. Justin Bieber is from Stratford, Ontario. Carrie Underwood is from uh, Cheetah, Oklahoma. And get this, George Clooney was born in Lexington, Kentucky. What? That's the best-looking guy from Lexington. I'll tell you that right now. If you've ever watched Kentucky basketball, that's for sure. Okay. Small towns. Bethlehem, that town is where the world was changed. You know, I think God can change the world with a church, a small church. Some of the greatest singers, Aretha Franklin and Whitney Hughes, came out as very small churches. I think great things are going to come out of the West Side. And I can't wait to see 2017 what God's going to do. Don't ever, don't ever feel like, oh, man, can God do amazing things in a small church? Are you kidding me? Absolutely. God can take the small and he can do amazing things. He can do amazing things with your life. Most of all, I'm thankful for the birth of Jesus that changed the world. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And that night, there were the shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord and the glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news, and I will bring you great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born to you today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Don't you love in King James? And he shall be wrapped in what? Swaddling cloth. I don't even know what swaddling is, but I always loved that one as a kid. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find that baby wrapped and snugged in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others in the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. The Savior. Luke also went on to say, and if, again, if you're taking notes, write these two words down because he defines the entire mission of Jesus Christ. He came to seek and save. Seek and save. That's his mission today, to seek and to save. That's what the Christ child is there for us. Max Lucado says this, Jesus came to save us not just from politics or enemies or challenges or difficulties. He came to save us from our sins. Jesus, that child changed the world. One of the things that I do 
which is, I know, a little bit strange, but if there's a song or something in sports that inspire me, uh, I, I file those, especially during the winter. And if I'm having a really bad day, I will just go online and I'll, I'll like, watch that song or I'll watch that sporting event or something, just a, a snippet of it to just inspire me. A few years ago, a song that really has given me so much encouragement is actually by Faith Hill, and it's a song called A Baby Changes Everything. And if you haven't listened to that song, you should just listen to her sing that song. And I remember a few years ago at Sherwood Oaks East, uh, they had sang that song, A Baby Changes Everything. And then Tom Ellsworth uh, shared something so personal uh, about when, and I remember this, when him and uh, Elsie lost their first child, the little guy was stillborn, uh, with, dealing with a lot of physical uh, difficulties, and, and Tom just shared that that made time stand still. And he said, I realized that as a parent, and you never know this until you're a parent, that a baby changes everything. Would you all agree with that? Anybody that says it doesn't, they don't know what they're talking about. You ever hear a young couple like, yeah, we're going we're, we're gonna to have a baby, and I don't know that much is going to change, and you want to go, oh, yeah, you have no idea. Your life is going to change. And you know what? A baby does change everything, but this baby changed everything forever. Think about that. When the shepherds showed up that night, I don't even think they could comprehend that the ripple effect from this baby is going to change the world forever. A baby changes everything. And then I love that eight days from that point, Jesus stood before a priest, and his name, Jesus, would change everything. So sometime today, there may not be even a moment of stillness, but if you do, I simply want you to ask yourself this question, what does Jesus mean to me? Not just the baby Jesus, Jesus. Jesus changes everything. He can change your life today.